Hello and welcome to Markets Extra, the podcast where we discuss what's moving markets and what makes traders tick. My name is Han Tan, market analyst at FXTM, and we are just days away from the next OPEC meeting scheduled for March 4th. And it promises to be a big one, uh, considering that Brent Futures, that's the global benchmark for oil prices, Brent Futures have climbed by well over 20% so far this year. So to help us with a preview of the upcoming OPEC meeting, we are joined today by Senior Research Analyst Lukman Otunuga. Lukman, how excited are you in the lead up to next week's OPEC meeting? Hey, Jan. Thank you for having me here. It's always a pleasure. It's been too, too long. Now, how excited I am? I'm really excited in both ways the fact that um, the outcome may further impact my gas bill um, <laughs> lately I've actually been paying an arm and a leg from higher energy costs which has actually hit my real income and translated to a declining consumption my wife ain't happy don't tell her I said that <laughs> but yeah on a serious note I'm really really excited because you know this meeting is kind of a big deal we know that all markets have actually reached a critical trading point you know trading back to pre-pandemic levels thanks to key fundamental drivers we're going to talk about later so in a perfect world if everything goes well if OPEC plus plays its card right you know all prices have you know, potential to trade higher but you know when we're speaking about OPEC, anything is on the table. Yeah, and we'll get more into the why uh, these prices could go higher in just a bit. But real quick, since you mentioned the higher energy bills, <laughs> isn't it a bit ironic? Because during the lockdown last year, right, we had prices at the pump just at rock bottom. <laughs> well, we recall how WTI futures were negative. But then now that lockdowns are easing around the world, and I believe you, uh, you guys in the UK as well, you've got schools starting on March 8th. Yet you've got this rise, this surge in oil prices. So, so much for those are cheaper fuel prices, eh? So, yeah, t- oh well. tell me about it. I'm really, really feeling it. Like, I remember this time last year, okay, we did have lockdowns, but I had a massive smile on my face when I was pumping, you know, a full t- tank of petrol in my car right now. Whoa, 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 <laughs> hold on. Where, where were you going pumping your car full of petrol? <laughs> huh? Should I tell the government about this? <laughs> But but yeah, so now, you know, when it comes to me putting petrol in a car, you know, it's really, really hit my wallet. You know, um, I try yeah. to pump it at least once a month. So hard times. <laughs> yeah, you and motorists around the world. So set the stage for us, Lokman. Uh, talk to us about why this meeting is so important. Yeah, certainly. Um, earlier we spoke about, you know, how WTI crude and oil are up over 20%. And we know that um, the past 12 months have been quite, you know, tough for oil prices and the fact that oil is trading back at pre-pandemic levels, um, OPEC plus have the potential to actually push prices higher if they make the right decision in this upcoming OPEC meeting. But, you know, there's already trouble in paradise. Um, I was reading reports that Saudi Arabia and Russia already are odds over what decision they're going to make. Now, just real quick, folks, if you are listening to these terms, OPEC and OPEC plus, and you're not sure what the, these are. So OPEC is a grouping of 13 major oil producing countries, and they account for about a quarter of the total supply of oil in the world. Okay, that's OPEC alone. Then there's OPEC plus. So you've got the 13 members in OPEC plus another 10 non-OPEC countries and combined, they control about half 
of the world's total oil production. So we have seen as a response from the pandemic, right, since last year, Lukman and I have been tracking these meetings about what they could do to manage the supply levels in order to um, match the kind of demand or the drop, the destruction in demand due to the lockdowns all over the world. Well, except for Lukman because he was filling up his tank full of petrol going somewhere, <laughs> apparently. All right. <laughs> Keep in mind, there have been many, many events that have happened over the past 12 months. Actually, back in March, Lukman, you recall that price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia. That's what prompted the WTI futures, or at least partially, to fall into negative territory. Yeah. Then, since April of last year, they've had these uh, historic deals, right, whereby they would cut almost 10 million barrels per day out of the global markets. So now it's come a time where Lukman and I, we are starting to drive about now. And global demand for oil is improving. The global economy is recovering. So they are now looking to uh, restore more supply into the world, right? So, uh, Lukman, perhaps you can talk to us more because I think you mentioned this earlier about you know, the conflicting interests between Saudi Arabia and Russia. So what do you think Saudi Arabia is after and how does it differ from what Russia wants? Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, Saudi Arabia is still cautious. They feel, you know, that um, it may be too premature to start pumping more production in the markets. You know, they showed how cautious they were by actually voluntarily cutting an additional one million barrels per day, which caught everybody by surprise in the last meeting. But Russia's more optimistic. Russia believes that, look, um, global demand is picking up. You know, the fundamental drivers, meaning that, um, you know, global economic growth is recovering. Um, they're shrinking global stockpiles and offshore tanks. And the prospects of easing lockdown measures may actually support the demand outlook for oil and based on this argument Russia is moving forward to you know pumping more oil in the markets and you know these two major producers have been under each other's necks over the past few months so it's going to be really really interesting to see what plays out in the coming meeting. Yeah, at each other's necks, huh? Well, yeah, uh, you, you raise a really key um, event that happened just earlier this year, right? On January, well, early January, Saudi Arabia came out and surprised all of us, like you mentioned, saying that they would voluntarily remove an extra 1 million barrels from global markets. And again, keep in mind, the context, the economic backdrop around the world was at a time when supply was supposed to be eased back gradually under the previous agreements within OPEC+. Plus. Now, Lukman, I don't know if you recall this. Um, I remember this one phrase that Saudi Arabia said after that surprise decision in January, which uh, just, just stuck with me. You remember when they called themselves the guardians of the industry? Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's a, <laughs> that's an interesting name. So they did, right? But then immediately, my mind started racing and drawing parallels with the guardians of the galaxy. I'm sure you know that movie, right, Lukman? Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's a really, really good movie. So, so aren't there parallels there? You know, because with the Guardians of the Galaxy, you had this bunch of, of guardians who were, as you said, at each other's throats. And then you, you could almost draw those same kind of parallels with OPEC+. Plus. Hey, you've got these conflicting interests within that alliance. And of course, Saudi Arabia and Russia have... 
uh, really dominated the headlines in terms of their conflicting interests. But I think the conflict really goes beyond their differing outlooks on the global economy, though. I think it boils down to basically where these countries need oil prices to be at in order to fund uh, or pay for their respective government spending programs, mm. right? Saudi Arabia basically needs it higher. Russia is happy uh, around where they are. In fact, last year they were saying that we were happy with about 45 bucks already. So now that it's in the mid 60s, it gives more leeway for folks like Russia to then say, hey, we want to start pumping more. Why? Because we are comfortable with what prices are. We can use it to pay for our government uh, plans, our budget. And so we like to gain more market share. Well, Saudi Arabia is, um, again, they need prices to move higher before they can actually start to um, have a balanced government budget. So I think that's the, the heart of where these conflicting interests lies. I think that is the crux of the matter going into next week's meeting, right? So yeah. I, I think with that broad context in mind, so if you could distill it down to one key thing, what will you be looking out for? Actually, I've got two key things. You, you've covered the first one. If um, Saudi Arabia and um, Russia are able to find a middle ground. Um, and secondly, if Saudi Arabia is actually willing to continue cutting that additional 1 million barrels a day in the markets, that's, that's really, really key. Yeah, indeed, because it's the extra 1 million barrels per day in cuts that was announced in January, but only took effect in February and is ongoing now, right? And that's been widely attributed to the uh, surge in oil prices, right? Now, so keep in mind what OPEC Plus will decide next week will actually be for the production levels for April. Okay, so pretty knife edge stuff. I mean, would you consider it that? You know, it's on a knife's edge? Or do you have an inclination where the decision could go? I mean, there's so many things on the table. I mean, like, for one, we already know how OPEC is. You know, we probably won't even get the decision on a day. We may be waiting a few hours, a day or two days or a week before they, they come to something. But I've got... um two to three possible outcomes. The oil price rally is actually fueling market expectations over OPEC, you know, probably easing supply curbs, you know, after April. Although the increase in output is likely to be modest, but naturally this may lead to a decline in oil prices. Another thing discussed is, you know, as, as we keep, you know, hovering about is whether Saudi Arabia will decide to actually bring back that voluntary one million barrel a day. You know, this is something that is going to negatively impact oil prices. And it's not just oil prices, isn't it, Lukman? Because where oil prices are headed can also have a big impact on the broader reflation trade, right? And the reflation trade is something that has been uh, driving markets a lot over the past few months. And, uh, you know, oil prices is an important component of the overall reflation trade. I mean, what do you think here, Lokman? Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I'm, I'm really happy you've brought this up. Um, you know, when we're going back to economics 101, you know, a strong, you know, consistent increase in oil prices will most likely contribute to higher inflation. This is simply because, you know, it will lead to, you know, higher transport costs 
and higher costs of you know many prices and goods so when we add that into the whole reflation trade concept and fact that we're expecting consumer prices to accelerate due to you know um, government spending fueling consumption this has actually already raised fears over the possibility of inflation spiking in the future and <laughs> the possibility of um, you know asset markets you know overheating but I think Han, this is a conversation for another time if we go really really deep in this we're, we're gonna move up move away from the old topic but yeah it's it really does feed higher into the reflation trade and you know we actually have seen how oil prices have derived great strength from the inflation trade and it's an ongoing cycle as oil prices trade higher leads to rising inflation you know as inflation expectations jump of course this is going to create fears down the line yeah. that asset markets may be over here. Yeah. And in fact, we already had that conversation here on the Markets Extra podcast. It's on episode seven. And we spoke about how inflation expectations could feed into or could influence how central bankers around the world react. And I think that's at the heart of the reflation trade, eh? because the idea that, yeah, higher oil prices leads to faster inflation. That means the prices of the goods and services that you and I buy, uh, they are bound to get more expensive as the global economy recovers from the pandemic. And that could then lead to the Federal Reserve, arguably the world's most influential central bank, then tightening their policy, or at least are pulling back some of the support that they've been rolling out across mm. the markets that stocks have thoroughly loved since March of last year. So that's what's in play right now. Markets are looking ahead. They're trying to preempt when the Fed could actually uh, ease up on your support for financial markets. And that boils down to inflation and then comes back down to oil prices as well. So there are bigger things at stake here beyond Brent and WTI US crude oil here. So we talked about the potential scenarios or potential outcomes that could either move oil prices higher or lower. Do you have some numbers? Do you have some um, yeah, you know, key support or resistance levels that you are uh, particularly eyeing? <laughs> you know, I, I knew you were asking these questions and I think this is this is where the technicals come in. Uh, just a heads up, guys. I am no fortune teller, but I do enjoy um, using technical analysis to um, derive key support levels. Um, so uh, you can see that, you know, um, WTI, Crude and Brent, you know, as Han highlighted earlier, they've both appreciated over 20% year to date. And since the start of this month, they're both higher over 10%. The trend is um, it's fair to say that bulls are in a driving seat. And looking at crude oil, I'll be looking at how prices react above that $60 resistance level. For Brent oil, I'll be looking closely at 65 67 Um if uh, the meeting concludes with um, OPEC Plus deciding to leave production unchanged, um, I think this will be a bullish signal for oil prices and should be enough to elevate WTI crude and Brent higher in a medium to longer term. But if we have a scenario where there's a lot of uncertainty, um, uh, talks descend into arguments, and we have a case where the cartel decides to actually raise production, this will most likely be negative for oil prices and we could actually see um, WTI crude and Brent trade lower. Even though um, the global economy is improving, you know, the vaccine rollouts is boosting optimism over, you know, global economic recovery and demand for oil is rising. We have to keep in mind that the COVID menace still remains a key theme. Um, and it's something that could still lead to renewed lockdowns if cases start to rise again. And I think this underlying threat, it's enough to really limit upside gains on WTI crude 
and brand in the longer term. Dare we think about Brent at 100 bucks again? Whoa! <laughs> you, you know what? If Brent goes back to 100 bucks, um, we'll have another recording in which I accept that I was wrong. I'll come down to Malaysia and come and shake your hand when Brent comes to 100 bucks. But yeah, I think the economy is in a different place compared to then. Um, you know, okay, long, long term, you know, probably five, five plus ten years, that could be a possibility. But we have to keep in mind that um, the global economy is still nursing those deep wounds inflicted from COVID-19. Well, uh, perhaps you and some almost 4,000 other people might be coming to Malaysia to shake my hand because check this out. So I'm looking at the markets, right? Um, and there's this particular instrument that allows investors to make a bet whether they could see $100 Brent by December 2022. Okay, 2022. And from last week, the open interest was about 500 Now... That open yeah. interest has jumped up to almost 4,000. In other words, a lot more people over the past one, two weeks or so are starting to think about, hey, we could see Brent at 100 bucks again by December 2022. Crazy. But tell you what, you know, like Lukman wow. already pointed out, um, if that happens uh, over the next, what is it, uh, 20 or so months from now, I think there'll be a lot more episodes of Markets Extra to keep you company along the way. But until then, I guess we've got to wait until what OPEC Plus decides by next week. So again, that's March 4th. We'll see what their decision could do for oil prices over the coming days. With that said, perhaps we can end with this, Lukman. If OPEC is akin to Guardians of the Galaxy... <laughs> Lukman, who do you think should be Baby Groot within OPEC? Oh, who comes to mind? You know, Baby Groot is the cute, you know, he's cute but strong, a bit cheeky, a bit smart as well. Um, the two, uh, I, would, I would have said Ivarko Iran, but um, uh, they, they play their part here and there. They could be cheeky, they may not play by the rules, but, you know, they when push comes to shove, you know, they do follow compliance. Oh, okay. Oh, that's an interesting one. I would actually go with Congo. You know why? Tell me, please. Be because they're the last ones out of the existing 13 to join OPEC. So they, they, they are the youngest of the group, hence baby group. I like that. I like that. <laughs> oh, that's oh, sweet. And thank you for listening to this episode of Markets Extra. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, check out the daily market analysis that Lukman and I post on the website. That's www.forextime.com. Until next time, I'm Han Tan for FXTM.